0: It's a pleasure to have you listening to my sh- show today. My sincerest desire is for you to get something from it that will make your life richer, fuller, and safer. My name is Reverend Wynn Henderson. As an ordained Christian minister and a retired medical doctor, I have a dual perspective to bring you content to solve problems in your life. This podcast is the longest-running, single-hosted, spiritually-based radio internet talk show in America. It's been on the air for over 24 years. I bring you information about the disease of addiction, about your purpose in life, and investigative reporting on truth just below the surface. We have a really delightful guest uh, today, and her book is called Deep Truth, Wisdom of the Masters, Reality and Illusion. Jean Walters has been at the forefront of the movement for personal transformation, clarity and truth for over 30 years. She has worked with people all over the world as they progress through issues and conflicts, recognize their natural abilities and career passion, create strategies and solve problems. She is a best-selling author in the United States and internationally with six books available on personal and spiritual development. She has written weekly columns for two major newspapers in St. Louis and has been published in many magazines, newspapers, and online publications. Through her intuitive channel, she has provided over uh, uh, 35,000
1: (laughs) Akashic... Say
0: it again. Akashic. Say it one more time. Akashic. Akashic. It, yeah. I stumbled over that one, didn't I? Yeah,
1: that's okay.
0: People all over the world. Her radio show called Positive Moments was syndicated in 110 markets across the United States. As a business consultant, she provided training to corporations, organizations, and educational institutions in such subjects as expanding human potential, personal empowerment, and overcoming rejection, and building dynamic communication skills, success strategies, and strengthening intuition. So, without uh, further ado, Jane, let's talk about your book, Deep Truth.
1: St- yes, thank you so much, Will. When I, that was a great introduction. <laughs> thank you.
0: Okay. In your book, you state that every person is unique, and I believe that. Can you explain what you mean by that, and why it is important to know?
1: every person is unique is that what I was hearing yeah well we all come into this world with a variety of talents and abilities in in uh working with so many people thousands of people over the years um i ask them key questions uh what is it that you've always loved doing it's interesting that everybody comes up with different answers and but whatever their passion is that's what they end up you know being good at expressing so it could be expressing just the ability to connect people to each other or they, they could have artistic ability or like you, you have healing ability, you have expression abilities. You have, so everyone comes in with a, a unique combination of qualities and talents that if they learn to use them well, they really add not only to themselves and to their experience but to the world. So I, I think it's a it's a beautiful thing, it, you know. It's a, we're not just you know a race and a, an identity, you know, a, a job posting and a and a title. I mean, we have so much more than that. You know, it, you know, we have a tu- intuitive ability, creative ability, and I would I I'm here to help people really appreciate that about themselves, because that's one of the big things that help them become empowered, is they accept that. Many times people think that they have to fit in or they have to be like the next guy, and I think that takes away from who they truly are. So um, that's one of the things I meant by that.
0: Okay. Um, A caveat that uh, I tell people when they ask me about their purpose in life, their mission, their job, and these kind of things is, Mm -hmm. what is it that you would do even if they didn't pay you
1: for it. Yep, that's a perfect question.
0: So that's
1: a perfect question, and that's one of the questions I ask too. Because if you know, if they they work all week, they're being an accountant, but on the weekend they can hardly wait to get outside and you know build a house or build a deck or something, you know, and that's so exciting for them. Then obviously there's a key in that in, in that uh, desire for building that maybe they're not looking at.
0: Okay, you state that we need to retain our childlike innocence and wonder. Yes. Uh yes. I, I believe that and there's references to that in lots of different writings, even the yes. Bible. So why is that? For what purpose? Why do we
1: Okay. Well, Jesus said you enter the kingdom It as a child. And what that means is that you must be open. You know, you must be open and willing, number one. But you also have to drop all your prejudices, all your predisposed ideas. Because if you hold on to all of those, I am a this and I'm a that, and this is good and this is bad, then we we're not open. We're not really open to all the possibilities that lie in front of us. So to be like a child so excited and so full of wonderment when we go out into the woods are we thinking about our problems are we looking at the trees and are we breathing the air and are we expanding our energy to just feel where we're at to feel the woods and so when we do that we're connected to something greater than our own little selves you know and and that's what I, I what that's what it's all about is to connect to something greater than ourselves because then we can allow that to come through and express through our being and that's what it's that's why it's important to keep that child self alive within you it doesn't mean we're childish it means that we're full of wonder and excitement and ready for the next adventure
0: children can look outside the box a lot more yes uh, frequently yes. than adults can. And yes. That's yes. part of it. You know, not and, not uh limiting your ideas of what's possible. Right.
1: Yeah. Okay. And and we and not to get so jaded, you know. Um, you know, we, we even people when they talk about birds, they'll go, oh, This is this is a bird that I really like and this one I don't like and they'll and they'll have they'll ascribe qualities to birds, and I think birds are just being, they're in the flow, <laughs> they're just being who they are, you know, And but we do that with everything, we make things good and bad, and then once we do that, we sort of squash them into a small little box, and then we can't see the wonderment of what's, what's right before our eyes.
0: I was looking at uh, a table outside my picture window, I put some breadcrumbs out there this morning. And Mm -hmm. a squirrel was sitting up there, and every once in a while he would turn in the area uh, toward the bread, and Mm -hmm. certain birds would be skittish and fly off. But there were these two blue jays. They came Mm up, took their time, got their piece of bread, and left. And I thought, man, that says something, you know, about Yeah,
1: it does. They're like they're watching that squirrel but they're not letting him in inhi- they're not letting him inhibit their action, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay, let's talk about uh, you have a section on ego. Ego's been written mm-hmm. about by so many people over the ages and given so much um press. So why why is ego important,
1: uh yeah. as far as you're concerned. Yeah, well some some people think that ego is really important because, you know, we have to be proud of ourselves and we have to like, you know, be able to say, you know, I did this and I did that. And and that's, you know, I guess that's a good use of ego, but at the same time, sometimes we can get so enamored with uh, our egoic self, you know, that we forget that there were we're more than that. And and oftentimes we limit ourselves by titles and and identifications. That keep us very small. So the, sometimes when we want to like um, control a situation, we're we're reducing it to what we think it should be, and and oftentimes, and you know this as a Christian minister, and oftentimes that situation holds much more uh, possibility than what we're giving it. So we we might say that you know, I've known people that were ill. And they said that was the best thing that ever happened to them because it gave them that quiet time to really ponder their life. And it opened up a whole new path for them of things that they were going to do once they were well. And it changed their life. So if we, so that's what I mean by sometimes we judge things and we put them in small boxes and then we don't see the potential that's right in front of us. This whole thing with the pandemic to me was a pretty amazing period because it, it almost, like, forced people to get quiet and to ponder more and reflect more. And I just thought that was basically the gift of the pandemic.
0: I have a family oh. member that uh, developed cancer, and she said that developing cancer was the best thing that ever happened to her mm-hmm. because she had a chance to think about things, take her mm-hmm. out of the hustle and bustle of daily life
1: right and everything and and it's kind of a shame in a way that 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 it takes something like that to bring us to a point where we actually give ourselves that precious time to reflect and to you know to get quiet but i think we all need it so much and it's it really is a healing process for us when we do that mm. but i think we we have to move out of the ego to do it because the ego is always going to keep us moving. There's the next thing, there's the next thing, there's the next thing, and then we have to go for that too. And, uh, and if we can sort of push that aside, and I th- I'm, a, I'm a great believer in meditation it is important for every person, to be quiet, to move into the stillness, and to let the stillness talk to you. Um, and that's, that mean that predisposes ego, you know, because the ego will be the mind that chatters. And when we're constantly chattering to ourselves, we just don't really have any moments of peace.
0: Um, I think that one of the things that we can learn spiritually, and it may take a while to learn it, but is that there is great importance in being humble,
1: which is sort
0: of the difference of what ego might suggest to you.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Yes, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, and and you can tell it pretty quickly when you meet people. Um, you know, also an ego person, an egoic person that's very much trapped in their ego can be very bombastic, and um, and it, they're the only ones that count. I, I notice it in in discussions where you know with clients or other people where it's all about them, and they have they really don't have any kind of empathy for anyone else. And I think that's such a handicap, you know.
0: The, uh, the uh, typical different types of addictive behaviors range from, from being negative in your thinking to eating too much chocolate to taking a drug or whatever like that. But the one um, behavior that's the hardest for me to treat is a narcissistic personality disorder.
1: It oh, I can imagine. I, I think that I can imagine because I think it's any anybody would tell you that it's hard to be a, around someone who's narcissistic. You know, after a while, it's just it's why bother? You know, I, I'd be interested in how you actually do it. When to tell you the truth, because it's it's I think that's a very difficult situation.
0: Well, when people are in a relationship with a narcissist, I tell them, mm-hmm. based on my life experience, there's only one solution to that problem. Get as far away from them as yeah. as you can, because, okay. you know, 99.99% of the time, they are not going to change because they don't think they've got a problem. They think right. whatever it is, it's somebody else's problem, and yeah. so, you know.
1: It's amazing to me because I've observed where you'll be in a situation where there's all kinds of things going on and a narcissist can walk into the room and not see any of it because they're so hooked up in their own sense of who they are. They can't see anything else going on with anyone else. It's, 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 it's a, almost shocking in a way.
0: A narcissist cost me $1.7 million 20-something years ago. Or it might have been thirty. It is a mm-hmm. long time, and I learned You're, from that that I'm not going to have any kind of relationship mm-hmm. narcissist anymore. Uh, you know, he learn certain things in
1: life. Right. Unfortunately, when I think that's how most people learn it, you know, they end up losing so much, and then it, I mean, it's almost like a brick across the head. You know, like, are you paying attention now? <laughs> so, yeah. I think many of us have learned that same lesson.
0: Well, let's go on. You state in your book that people poison themselves with negativity.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, yes, yeah.
0: How how do people poison themselves and, and what's your idea as the remedy?
1: Okay. The, the it's um if it's really easy to prove this. So if, if uh if I were to ask you to think about fear and hold fear in your mind and think about the feeling of fear, the texture of fear, the sound of fear, or chaos, or illness, or all of those kind of negative components—if you—if you hold them in your mind for any length of time, you'll notice your body reacting. You'll notice you're you're constricting yourself. You'll notice that um, you get tight all over. Um, but if you switch that and move your mind to Love, joy, happiness, um, fun, uh, order, uh, um, you know, empathy. If you move to any quality that has the opposite uh, uh, energy, which is love, you begin to notice in your body a different experience. You'll begin to notice that your body is open and relaxed that all that tightness that knot in your stomach is now gone. So if we live a life where we're constantly ruminating over what could happen, what did happen, you know, what's going to happen next and you know and, and we we in, indulge ourselves and that's what it is is we indulge ourselves in the drama of everything. We end up restricting our organs, restricting um our whole body being but our mind is also restricted, because now we're not open to receive any inspiration from a higher source. We're stuck in a in a place of limitation, and so we are poisoning ourselves because we're being way less than what we're capable of being. But also, we are also keeping our body so tight, and uh, and we really are messing around with our organic functioning by doing that. And so we we're not only poisoning our mind, we're poisoning our body, we're poisoning our experience, we're poisoning the joy of life, we're not able to experience that. So there's nothing quite like um negativity to really mess you up to ruin yourself. Of course, a lot of people you know, you're you're an expert in addiction and a lot of people will go, well, I'll just drink this or smoke that or something, and then I won't feel that way. But wouldn't it be better for us to take hold of our mind and put it where it needs to be, put it in a place of love, expansion, joy, and where we can be open to life and experience the opportunity in front of us?
0: Absolutely. I think of these people um, as energy vampires when I'm around yes. I feel like they're sucking the energy out of me. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: all my creativity is being uh, sucked up by these people.
1: Drained, yeah.
0: So, uh, it's true. That's it,
1: exactly what they do because not, they, use, they not only take all their energy and drain it, but then they go and suck it out of everybody else, too. It's hard to be around someone. I, I was talking to somebody yesterday and they were telling me this story, and I said, stop, don't tell me anything else enough you've told me enough I know what's going on and I and the thing is I was really not just for me but she was draining her own self by telling this story because it's all about manipulation and you know we can't we can't do that we can't allow ourselves to be manipulated we can't manipulate other people we can't go to that place of negativity and live a joyful life it's impossible so we have to be monitors of our own thinking. You know, the mind is a wonderful tool, but it's a terrible servant. I'm sorry, the mind is a great servant, but a terrible tool and uh, and a master. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm really messing that up. The mind is a terrible master, but a great tool. <laughs> and, uh, and we have to learn to use it as a tool and not let it master us. Right.
0: Now, you have a section in your book that I'm not familiar with. It's
1: called freedom of being no thing. Yes. About yes. That. Yes. I love that actually. When I say uh, no thing, I mean if we can just allow ourselves to be the energy that we are. There's a joy, you know. Children are joyful, and they. We, so we start out with joy. We start out with wonder. We start out with exploring and just you know seeing what's here and being sort of thrilled by the whole thing. Um, and that's. That means that if we can retain that, but also when we when we start identifying ourselves, when we start becoming a thing, when we start saying, I am Jean, and I am a counselor, and I am a book author, and I am a this and a that when we start identifying pretty soon we have so much identification that we squashed ourselves into a box. It goes with also like I'm a politically I'm a I'm a Democrat, Republican, I'm a this and pretty soon we've got so many identifications that we've forgotten how to be just energy. And so being no thing means that we gotta drop all that. We drop it all for a while. It doesn't mean we can't function in those roles. We can. We can probably function better. If we just don't make them our full identification, yeah. so being no thing means we let it all go, we let it all go and be this pure, perfect energy that we were born into, and then let that become a source for us that it can speak through us. yeah does that make sense? That's an
0: important concept
1: mm-hmm. yeah, oh,
0: you talk about courage to be you, what does that yes. mean, and uh what does
1: it entail yes, well, it means it it means um be, being in touch with what's right for you and then living that uh, we oftentimes get into this idea that we have to get people's approval that the world has to approve of us that we have to you know make an impression we have to have enough degrees and letters behind our names and so forth um so that we're okay and what happens is that um you know we 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 develop into a being that's not authentic and so to have the courage to follow that inner voice that the deeper voice that allows us to be exactly who we need to be like i'm saying the guy that's the accountant all week but he wants to go build a deck and he really resonates to that have the courage to do that have, have the courage to start building things on the side to where you can be, make that your your vocation, or make that so important in your life that you don't forget it or lose it because you're busy being an accountant. So it takes courage to walk. Uh, sometimes we have to leave the tribe that we're in. You know, sometimes we have to leave the all the the dogma and stuff that we were taught, so that we can have the courage to walk in the way that's right for us. And, and that it does take courage because w- people get hooked up into this is the way my family's always done it. This is how we all, you know, and even in business, we've always done it this way. But then they're overlooking a possibility of something much greater because they're not open to the next, you know, inspiration that comes their way. Yeah, so here we have the people child, like the, the child
0: is yeah. open and, yeah. and can think of these things. Um, but yeah. by the time he gets to be an adult,
1: not so much. Yeah, here's Bill Gates going. I'm going to put a computer in everybody's home. How audacious is that? <laughs> you know, and yet, and yet he did. He really did. But he, that the courage to even think those kind of thoughts, I think, are amazing. I mean, I think about the uh, the bicycle mechanics who decided they were going to fly a plane. You know, the Wright brothers. And i I can you imagine how many people said to them, "You're nuts, you know. <laughs> if we were supposed to fly, we'd have wings.
0: Exactly. you know
1: and then but they went ahead and did it anyway. And I just think they had the courage to be themselves.
0: Now this point uh, I think is important. Uh, why is moving to the heart important?
1: Yes, because most people when they're living in the ego, they're they're living in their head. And the head is much more limited than the heart. The heart is, it, it, I think there's even, you could probably validate this, but there's a lot of research that the heart is like your second brain. And some people call it your first brain. But what, when you go to your heart, you can feel what's truth. So many times when people are talking, we'll talk options, and I go, go to your heart and tell me which one feels the best. And they always know. If they go to their heart, they always know. So, but we can, we can analyze and validate and then argue with ourselves, and we can go through all kinds of gyrations when we're in our head, self-doubt and whatever. But when we go to our heart, we'll get the truth. So it's really important that we learn how to do that. And many times I think it's good just to go to your heart through the day and say, what feels right right now? Mm -hmm. And you'll know, you'll know.
0: Now, um, I think that so many people spend so much time worrying about what other people think about them. Mm -hmm. And so how does one go about not taking all these ideas
1: Mm -hmm. personally? Yes, yes. well, first of all, we realize that every person has their own experiences and their their own way of looking at the world. So what might be super important to somebody may not be at all important to someone else. So when we let someone tell us that we're not worth it, all we're doing is hearing their opinion, which actually has nothing to do with us. So... What we want to do is learn how to formulate our own concept of what's going on. We want to be able to experience life and and then formulate our own conclusions from that. But oftentimes when people have a self-worth problem, they start listening to everyone else tell them who they are, and then they limit themselves with that. When the truth of the matter is they don't know who you are, most likely they don't even know who they are. And so when we let an opinion, an outside opinion, impress upon us and define who we are, we are limiting ourselves. We are giving, handing our power over to someone else. So we have to teach ourselves how to realize this is their opinion they're talking about. Most of the time when people say really negative things to us, it's because they're wounded. And so we're looking at a person who's wounded, and we're letting them tell us who, who we are. So most of the time when people are drawing these conclusions and they're negative, we want to look at them as wounded. We want to see that they have a wound and they're speaking through their wound. And when we understand that, then we don't take it personally because we're just observing people speaking through their wound. Yeah. Uh, I think we don't take anything personally. You know, myself, I think that it's, you, just, you define who you are, and you go and express it and, and go for the opportunities that fit you and be the best you can in any given situation. But don't consider it a failure if you don't make it all the way to the end. You just keep going and do the best you can. And if you do that, then you won't take it personally because you just realize people are just describing their world to you. Yeah, okay. Does that make sense?
0: You talked about failure, and you've said in your book that failure is an illusion.
1: Yes. Why is it an is? Illusion. Because, because what if you're if you're an active person and you try for something, if you go for something, and you find out that that's not your fit. Like if I went to uh, become an accountant, for instance, I would probably fail because that's not my thing. That's not something that I'm wired for so to me then I would look at that and go okay I just realized something that that going into accounting would not be right for me I'd be wasting my talents so every experience that you have teaches you something and even if you don't complete the goal that you think is so important you know even when you were talking about losing all that money with a guy look at the lesson you learned from that I mean, you can call that failure or you can call it, wow, did I learn an important life lesson that will be with me for the rest of my life You know? And when we when we look at it that way, it's like there is no failure because we have just now gotten the important life lesson that we were to get that will change my life forever and that will open me to a different experience. So that's why I don't think there's any such thing as failure, because if we use it well, if we learn from it, oh my gosh. We're wealthy. We're abundant.
0: Somebody said you're never a failure until you quit.
1: Right. As as long as you're
0: still trying and everything, you're not a failure.
1: Yes. (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. Well, the thing is, once you complete something, like if I said, okay, I'm definitely not going to be an accountant. Good. Um, Then five other opportunities are going to open up for me. You know, because now I've let that go. That which no longer fits me, I've now let that go. So then something else shows up that says, and, and I go to my heart and go, what feels right? And I go, ah, oh, that's the one right there. That's the one that feels right. And your chances then of actually moving into your own synchronized energy is, is heightened. you know, because you just eliminated something that wasn't right for you.
0: Yeah, well, Winston
1: Churchill
0: made a uh, a very short speech, graduation speech, and uh, mm-hmm. he said, "Never, never, 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 never quit." Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So you I know, the kind of yeah. thinking.
1: Yeah. You'll
0: be a success, whatever yeah. success means.
1: Yeah, and and whatever success means is. I agree with you there. It's like success means so many different things. And uh yeah, I think he delivered that speech in Missouri by the way. <laughs> That's what I hear. <laughs> Yeah. But I I love Winston Winston Churchill. He he really was a, a fellow that listened to his heart, you know. He he really operated from a sense of knowing that went beyond most of the people that were you know that he was dealing with in in, in Britain, you know. So, right. Yeah, we just keep going. In summary,
0: what is the main message that we can take away from this book that you've written?
1: I think that the main message that I want to give is that we're multidimensional beings, and we have many different ways that we can limit ourselves, but I'm encouraging people to open up to a greater reality that when I talk about deep truth and wisdom of the masters it, in reality and illusion, is look for reality in yourself. Look for what is truth for you. Um, don't become dependent on the world at, to tell you, but but begin to understand that your experiences will reveal to you what you truly are and what you're truly capable of. And so, uh, you know, like you said, never, never, never give up. But also, always, always, always. Look for the path that's unfolding in front of you and give yourself to it. That's uh, my, that would be my message.
0: What would you say is your purpose in life?
1: Um, well, I have twofold. My purpose is for me to connect with that greater energy, to be in it, to live from it, to share it. That's my purpose. And then in in that sharing, I do these sorts of things. I do podcasts. I write books and things like that. But my bigger message is always about myself, about being that person that I ascribe to be, that one that is a, a channel for that intuitive flow that I can express that and share with it and really help people move in the same direction if that's what they're ready to do.
0: Uh, we've uh, been uh, talking for the last uh, 35 minutes uh, mm-hmm. about a book called Deep Truth. And, Jean, it's a great book. How can they get a copy?
1: Uh, it's available on Amazon, and it's also available through my office right now. And, you know, basically it's just, just search for it on Amazon, Deep Truth by Jean Walters. You'll find it and uh I, I would love to share it with people and please write reviews when you when you read it. I think for each person you'll find something in here that's going to resonate for you, and it's going to maybe open up some new doors and windows for you that will help you be the truly expansive being that you're capable of being i very and, and I thank you so much when for this This is really great
0: um do you want them to go to your website if so give us yes
1: sure my website is spiritualtransformation.com it's singular spiritualtransformation.com
0: okay and um do you uh read emails from people that have questions
1: i I definitely do i definitely do and i'm always happy to read a, emails. In fact, if here's what I would do when I would definitely send them several chapters. If they email me at gene at com, and that's J-E-A-N at spiritualtransformation.com, I will send them three chapters of the book. How about that?
0: Something to get started chewing on. That would yeah. be a great deal.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'd yep. be happy to. Just mention it when you email me, and I'll do it.
0: Well, Jean, it's been a delight to have you on the program uh, today. And I need to tell my people that you probably know, but my mission or purpose in life is to spread the message that there is a cure for every addictive behavior. Yeah, yeah. This is a Absolutely. spiritual cure, and a treatment program is profiled in my book, Freedom from Addiction 4. Mm-hmm. final message. Now, if you meet three simple criteria, everyone gets well. Mm-hmm. I have three free resources where you can start your journey. The first is a link to this podcast, which is com. No uh, caps, no spaces, and Libson is spelled L-I-B is in boy, S-Y-N. The second Is a link to my website where you can find out more about my work with addiction. Try www.revwinhendersonmd.com. And the final resource is my Twitter account. Search at HugoTheArtist on Twitter.com. There you will find over 2,000 inspirational and educational daily pearls of wisdom. Something to take up your spare time so uh thanks to everybody
1: listening and have a blessed day